Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglan. Um, for those of you who are watching the YouTube version of this, as you can see, I am laptopless for this episode of the podcast. Um, but nevertheless, we shall soldier on, gentlemen, because we are right up against the midpoint of high school football season. Um, we've got five weeks in the books, and you know, I guess as of uh, as of this time next week, everybody will have played five games. So I guess we can consider that the official midpoint. But um, nevertheless, everybody has uh, has begun district plays so now the games have taken on a bit of extra significance and wouldn't you know but uh early on in some of these district schedules we've got some results that are kind of i guess uh messing with the status quo so to speak so let's kind of take stock and what we uh, what we at least know let's react to what we saw last week in uh in week five and starting over with um with a few districts that actually began district play last week districts like 66a 116a and then brian 55a division one and you got a game on uh, on thursday that was certainly a little bit unexpected as far as um, a game that on paper you might have just kind of like kind of a, a throwaway contest between yeah. the Colony who was you know at least I guess the sentiment was perhaps the number two team in this district going up against a Frisco Centennial team that's been a bit up and down to start the year mm-hmm. to say the least and uh, wouldn't you know man but the Titans gave the Cougars everything that they could handle what do you make of a uh, of the Colony just escaping by the skin of their teeth against a uh, against Centennial it's nothing new for the Colony man they've had yeah. to escape you know multiple wins this year you I mean, they blew out Reedy, but you know, the week before they had to escape, or two weeks before they had to escape against Byron Nelson mm-hmm. in a weird 55-51 win. Mm-hmm. You know, week one, you know that it was a weird 24-2 game, a game that they should have won by you know 40 points also with all the talent they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Centennial they just had a really good game plan, man. And, and Rudy Rangel, he he was so flustered after the game. Man. He <laughs> he we talked for so long. I, it was just one of those deals where. All right, go. I put the recorder, you know, in front of him, and he was just going on and on because he knew he admitted it so many times that he got outcoached by yeah. Matt Webb. And their goal was, you know, Miles Price and Keith Miller, y'all aren't going to do anything. We're going to literally put 
three, four guys shadowing you. Really? And we're going to make other guys beat us. And Christian Gonzalez, he kind of had, he had, he actually did have a big game. He had a 75-yard touchdown, and then he had a kick, no, he had a 75-yard kick return, and then he had like a 50-something yard uh, touchdown catch in the first half. So, you know, he's going to Purdue. He's a special talent, but, you know, they were like, hey, Keith Miller, you're not going to do anything. You know, Miles Price, you're not going to do anything until the fourth quarter when he finally took over because he's He's Miles Price. Freaking Miles Price. <laughs> the Colony had four touchdowns, three or four touchdowns. Either way, it's a lot called back due to penalties, wow. holdings. and So you get what, moments like that that are a bit more kind of a, make that game look like a bit of an aberration. Exactly. And there, and there was that's that t- they were, really they, tough to do. <laughs> Mikey Harrington threw an interception in the end zone on their yeah. first drive. It was one of those deals where, you know, if you see this, you see the final score, you're like 42-35. Is maybe Centennial is better than we thought. Maybe the Colony maybe isn't as good. But watching the game, you're like, okay, the Colony very well easily could have won this game by four scores. It just... There's they a, had too many mistakes. Yeah, there's a lot of unconventional things that are yeah. happening that are yeah. making this one appear a bit closer than it actually should be. But this be. this raised some concern, and I even tweeted this. I was like, man, is the Colony even the second-best team in the district? Mm. Because there's another, <laughs> there's another school over in, in Frisco that's balling out right now. But granted, they really, their strength of schedule has been... Yeah pretty weak. I mean, they started off with Liberty, and I'm, I'm alluding to Independence. Yes. I don't know if we wanted to t- touch on them Absolutely, a bit. Absolutely, man. This is, this is 5 5 d one talks, man, so go with Yeah, so, so they they did what they were supposed to do, and they destroyed Liberty, you know, beat them by 50-plus. And they, that's what they've been doing to, you know, to every team they face mm-hmm. so far, you know, against the likes of, of Denton, and they played Frisco Memorial, and yeah. Richardson Pierce, and, you know, they... They, we, they won't be really be tested, yeah. most likely, this week. They play Heritage. Uh, we'll see there. But, man, Braylon Braxton, he continues his, his tear. 20 touchdowns now, over 1,300 yards to the air. Uh, Keon Wafer, man, he has been lights out. He's got 10 touchdowns already, uh, 552 receiving yards. He has just been awesome. Every time you look in the box score, he's got at least two touchdowns mm-hmm. and 100-plus. Uh, man, that, that duo is tough to stop. You know, you know, there's there's other good duos in the district, mm-hmm. Miles Price and and obviously Lone Star. Lone Star continues to roll. Yeah. You know, they, you know, I knew they were going to beat Little Elm, but they were up 42 to nothing, I think, at one point. It was either 35 or 42 to nothing, you know. Just so good. Lone Star, <laughs> so good. I cannot wait until, you know, Lone Star plays the Colony and then Lone Star plays Independence, which will be next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, the question is in 5-5A, not only is who's that fourth playoff spot, because I'm not, you know, freaking out about the Colony too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're definitely a playoff team, you know, with the guys they have, but I don't think they're the second best team right now. I think it's Independence. Okay. Um, and then who's going to be that fourth team? You know, because Wakeland they took care of business against Heritage. That game was actually 14-14 for a while. Uh, it was a little close for comfort, but uh, they kind of pulled away in Heritage. But this game this week between uh, Little Elm and Centennial is going to be huge. Yeah, with um, so when do the Colony and Independence play? I'm just curious, just for context standpoint, when will I guess have a better idea of what Independence is? Because it is fair to note that they have not really been pushed that much yet. And if they had played like say what you will about how kind of up and down the Colony's performances have been, albeit most of them coming in in victory. Mm-hmm. But with um, you know, I mean, at least you know programs like Reedy and Byron Nelson. Like if those teams were on Independence's schedule, then we might have a sure. we might look at things a little bit differently. Because I think that's they've definitely played a tougher schedule to this point. So that might be coloring the perception. A little bit there. Um, when do they play though? November first. Okay, so second to last, know for last a while. week of the season. Yeah, but we will see them against. We will see Independence against Lone Star beforehand. Now I don't yes. know to how much to draw from that because Lone Star does appear to be Nothing. just a whole different level <laughs> yeah. than anybody else in Nothing. the. Uh, in that's the almost area. that's almost like the comparison of okay, 
let's see how Prosper is when they face Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, because they haven't really been tested by a lot of their opponents too. So then, it's, a, it's the exact same thing. Lone Star is the Allen of this district. You mm-hmm. know, number one in the state for a reason. But the Colony, it's a shame. I wish they were playing this week, Independence yeah. in the Colony, because that would be you know, all right, who is the second best team in this district? There's only one way to find mm-hmm. out, and that's when the two played against each other. You had um, you know, a couple teams that could potentially be vying for a second best team in the district honors, or who knows, maybe this was a uh, like last year. It was the uh, the de facto district championship mm-hmm. game. We didn't know it at the time, but in, over in District 6-6A, when Flower Mound and Louisville squared off and it was a, just a thrilling district opener in 2018, who'd have thunk it, but those teams would go on to finish first and second in the uh, in the district. Now, time will tell if that uh, if that same script pans out, but um, you had another really entertaining installment in this rivalry on uh, on Friday. Flower Mound does come away with a victory 34-30. to um, You know, just a, a fascinating game for a number of reasons. First off, how's Flower Mound going to bounce back after mm-hmm. just getting its head kicked in by Prosper for the second straight year. Um, how would this being, you know, one of the first true tests for that Louisville defense, um, especially their secondary? Now, they're pretty solidified up front, and you did see that in, um, you know, in their performance on Friday. They held Pierce Hudgens to less than two yards per carry, which is really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have a really young secondary, so how they would handle, <laughs> you know, one of the area's more prolific passing offenses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Blake Short, the numbers on paper were solid, you know, 380 yards and whatnot. Now, they did hold him right around 50% on completion, so, you know, was still a uh, you know pretty respectable showing all things considered. Um, just a, a very back and forth game, and man, just Louisville, just these uh, they've had some some tough luck in yeah. recent years against the Jaguars, man. Because you think back to uh, to last year when they were up, uh, what were you looking it up, Taylor? It was what twenty seven to seven, something like that. Yeah, much bigger than much bigger than this year. I mean, a similar story this year. I mean, I, I know that. Um, they were up at one point. I think you mentioned twenty-three to twenty in driving. Yes. They were up fourteen to seven early, which you know that's not really that big of a deal. But up twenty-three to twenty in driving with a chance to make a two-score game, turnover. You know it goes wrong, and I think that's really kind of been the bane of of the Farmers' existence thus far. Is like if they could stop turning the ball over yeah. two or three times a game. You know, they'd beat a lot of teams. They yeah. probably would have beaten Farm out because yeah. I think they had, what, three turnovers? Something they like that. lost three fumbles in that yeah. game. Yeah, so, I mean, it, that's a totally different game. You lose by four, it's a completely different game mm-hmm. without those three turnovers against Flower Mound. And Flower Mound's good enough to where you can't have that happen. Hebron is good enough to where you can't have that happen. Yeah. Coppell might be good enough to where you can't have that happen. I mean, right now, I would still take Louisville over Coppell, but you turn the ball over three times. I mean, it's yeah, you give any of those 6 6 yeah. programs at the top that many shots at it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's bad news. Because you look at what it led to. It led to them, you know, Flamman and Louisville trading touchdowns yep. until the finish line, and it was Pierce Hudgens who I just mentioned earlier. He scores with 12 yep. seconds. Just left. ran out of time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So who knows if if that touchdown comes, you know, a minute earlier, maybe maybe Louisville they get the, uh, you know, they get the chance to, to have their own game-winning drive. Yeah. But yes, nevertheless, some uh, some hard luck for Louisville in recent yeah. years because they did have a 20-point lead in the second half last year that they then blew in a 35 to 27 loss, which ultimately, I mean, yeah, you think in hindsight, like they could have won the district championship last year. If they yeah. Just been able to hang on yep. in the second half, and uh, yeah, just some more hard luck in the second half against uh, against those Jaguars. That's still the the playoff team that gets in, though. I think I think Coppell's still on the outside looking mm-hmm. in, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Because elsewhere, like you really can't extrapolate a whole lot from no. what happened in the other three matchups nope. in this district between Capel, Marcus, and Hebron. Those three all picked up they district got opening wins. Some Irving schools. They outscored those three games. They collectively outscored the three Irving schools 160 to 18. 
Yeah. So, I, and somebody had a shutout. Was it Marcus that had the Marcus, shutout? Marcus yeah. shut out Irving. Yeah. You know, which is you know came off an 0 and 10 season last year, and they've you know they're yeah. And so it's some tough Struggling. times over with the Irving Tigers, but nevertheless, yeah, they shut him out 60 to nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be the year we get. We were a couple moments last year. You had an Irving school sneak up on a on yeah. a Louisville ISD or a Capel and whatnot. Like, I don't see it. I don't know if that's going to happen this year though. Um, so yes, that is at least where uh, where 66A is at. Um, and then I was over uh, getting to cover one of the district openers for 11-6-A. I was helping mm-hmm. out Devin Hassan with our, with our Mesquite coverage on Friday, getting to watch the latest installment of the Horn and Mesquite rivalry. Dang it, man. I took Mesquite, but I had a feel, I had a, like I had this gut feeling that like yeah, everyone took Mesquite. I know, except, except for Brian. Except for Brian, but that Horn was going to let that happen two years in a row, and sure enough, they uh, they didn't. Because it was uh, it was kind of the same script as heading into last year, where Horn played this supersized yeah. non-district schedule, and you know they uh, they were able to take care of John Tyler. Although John Tyler, as we find out, is going through some uh, John Tyler's some down rough yeah. patches of its own right. But um, nevertheless, yeah. So they took some lumps, you know, against the Cedar Hills and the Arlingtons and whatnot. But um, Plenty battle tested, yeah. at the very least, against a Mesquite team that was getting its first real taste of mm-hmm. a, uh, of a, uh, I guess, a playoff caliber opponent, so to speak. And um, and you got to see like it was a game that was really back and forth and defined by. It was very similar to what I'd imagine last year's game looked like. It was twenty to seventeen, yeah. won by the Skeeters, a real defensive slog for the first half, and then late in the second uh, quarter, you know, Horn found a little bit of something with its run game. Um, you know, a guy like Ben Wyatt, who mm-hmm. we'll get to later on in the podcast. Um, you know, he went. Nuts! He had 225 yards rushing, three touchdowns. You know that's got to be a career night for him. Yeah, um, you think? <laughs> um, and then their their defensive line did such a great job of just making Dylan Hart, um, you know, Killer McGill, mm-hmm. their uh, you know their quarterback, committed to Minnesota, one of the better quarterbacks yeah. in that district period, making him and that offense so uncomfortable. Completed only 25 percent of his passes. I mean, yeah, make, make no mistake, Mesquite is good. This mm-hmm. this this. I don't think this game says anything about Mesquite mm-hmm. being bad all of a sudden. I think that Horn is just. Like you said, battle yeah. tested. Maybe I don't even want to say better than we thought because I think we've kind of gotten used to the script now no, of, of la- them la- last playing. Year, last year was such an aberration yeah. for that program. Yeah. I'm not reading a whole lot into that. Yeah. Now, Horn has traditionally been, you know, the yeah. most the most consistent thing at the six A level, at least for Mesquite. ISD. It was a weird. It was one of those weird pick'em games last week because it's like I think we we're all except for Brian. I'll Thank give you. you your credit. You. We're, we're you. pretty correct in taking Mesquite, and I felt good about it. I think I would do it again, yeah. but. You know, I'm not shocked at all with how it ended up. I mean, nah. that's a great program, and I think Horns rolling a little bit. Jaguars end this game running away with a 35 to 14 victory. Um, yeah. Mesquite, Mesquite had its chances. They they had yeah. several. I want to say, what did I say in my rapid reaction podcast? Something like five of their first seven drives, they wound up in Horn territory hmm. at some point, but they only came away with yeah, they had seven points at half. They just had nothing to show for it, and those yeah, just a testament to that uh, to that Horn defense, man. They were they got some athletes on that defense, yep. so definitely something to monitor, especially heading into what should be a, uh, a sneaky, man. compelling yeah. game now on Friday as they make a visit to Rockwall, <laughs> a Rock Rockwall team that was, I mean, you talk, I mean, what was maybe the, the game of the week last mm-hmm. year, last week, in uh, at least within the Metroplex, Rockwall and Longview. Now, that game, you know, had a very unfortunate tenor early on after, uh, you know, Rockwall's, you know, alpha and omega of their offense, their stud receiver, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He injured his shoulder um, in the first quarter, and, yeah, he only came, like, ended the game, what, what did you say, Brian, with one catch? Yeah, when I came it was on the, the first play. Friday. Yeah, oh, really? He got hurt on the first play, I think, and tried to power through for a little bit, mm-hmm. but and they were like, wasn't, you got to Yeah, he, he wasn't. Because when I came right. back that night, I was looking at the box score, because obviously we were all like 49-3, to 3, oh my God. And then I was like, uh, Jackson only had one catch of four <laughs> yeah. yards. What is going on here? Yeah. So something didn't add up. This is for yeah. a player that averages almost 200 yards yeah. receiving in three yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah it mean, might be the best receiver in the area. Yeah. That's saying a yeah. lot. 
Um, so yeah, you don't really know. So what that means though is that you know with that shoulder injury, you know it's you see on social media reports that he's expected to miss at least yeah. one game, potentially even more. Um, so now in the moment, now obviously like that's still an incredible victory and performance by Longview. Yeah. You wonder how much though losing Jackson like kind of does the trickle down effect that it has, especially kind of spur of the moment because it's not like you go into a game you have to just you have to reevaluate so much with how Brockwall runs its offense when you don't have the mm-hmm. ultimate security blanket in the in the state to throw to. So you wonder now with maybe a full week to go through the motions of okay preparing to play without Jackson Smith and Jake, but how different they're going to look on on uh, on Friday against Horn versus you know kind of coming you know spur of the moment and having to like okay we're now going up against a reigning state champion without our best player. Um, how do we stay uh, above water? And no, obviously they struggled like hell against them, but um, no, nevertheless with some time to you know kind of establish more of an identity without him you know you I'm curious to see what they have though in store for uh, for horn because said that horn defense is um, they're not going to make anything easy on Rockwell and Rockwell still has a ton of firepower in that offense yeah. to be fair um, but yes all of a sudden that game looking like a very uh, very fascinating game is potentially for who could be the uh, you know the number two team in that district when all yeah. said and done because um, that's the one of those districts where now if you're mesquite like this was a game that you won last year and ultimately was you know a, you know a, a win that loomed large and you eventually making the playoffs there just aren't any layups in this district, man. They get Rockwall Heath, a much improved Rockwall Heath team. Tyler Lee's been really solid. I mean, there isn't like a, 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 there's no layup in this district at all. So district wins any way you can get them are a very, very coveted currency in that district. So I'm interested to see how the uh, how the Skeeters go about bouncing back. Um, let's see, we can, uh, before we get to our, uh, our student athlete spotlight, we can talk a little bit of 9-6-A. For a quick moment, as uh, as nine six eight had its uh, its second week of district play, Taylor, it almost happened. Man, man. I thought it was. I thought it was going to happen. I thought Plano West was going to finally uh, finally pull it off. Plano looked. Man, I don't, I don't want to say uninspired or or unprepared. I don't think that's the case, man. I do think that J.R. McCullough gets his team prepared to play, and and after the game. You know, it's convenient after the game for him to say, oh, I came in the locker room and said, you know, I warned you guys, you know, they were prepared for a much improved Plano West team, but they didn't They didn't look it. You know, I, I think... One thing to say, it's another thing to actually see it up front, like, yeah, okay, this I, team is certainly... I think, that, I think that people are still underestimating Plano West and just how competitive that team can be. That offense was legit. Mm-hmm. You know, the defense... Um, did enough, I thought, to win the football game. You know, they got torched for two touchdowns uh, from Oliver Towns to Jaden Chambers, uh, you know, at the end of the game that, that put them away. Um, some bad tackling, just some youthful mistakes that mm-hmm. kind of did them in. Um, but I think defense is, you know, fine. But that offense is legit when it gets rolling. They got three guys and Cameron Settles, quarterback Andrew Pico, mm-hmm. um, Tabern Yates, three dudes, and that's not even counting Jacob Stevens, who you know, they want to work into the running game even more, um, they can really carry the football, especially mm-hmm. Pico. I mean, they went crazy. They had like 400 yards of total offense, yeah. and I think almost 300 of it came on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, that offense is really good when it gets rolling. I don't think Plano, you know, for all that, that Jadon wants to say about them being prepared, I don't think they were. Uh, and, yeah, man, it was I, – I had the story working in my head if, <laughs> if they if they pulled it off because I thought it was going to be the end of, of the streak. And I won't say – you know, I don't think it's a, you, the team that deserved to win won the football game because yeah. that's how thing. And you know, you don't deserve to win if you lose. Mm-hmm. It's it, Plano won the football game. They did enough. 
um, you know, especially in the fourth quarter to come back and win that football game. But West is close. West is really close. It was just notable because that was the first time all season that we've seen West against a uh, the level between Plano and the teams that yeah. we saw in non-district yep. is certainly a bit different, be it Reedy, be yep. it Mesquite, be it Flower Mound. So this was their first team seeing a team that didn't make the playoffs yeah. last year and what they look like against um, a team that's a little bit closer. To, yeah. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, it was a... Um, yeah, a very, very spirited showing by the Wolves. And I was yep. following on social media. Yeah, man, it looked like for a second. Weird for Plano, too, because, you know, you think of Plano, you think of running the football, mm-hmm. you think of kind of that classic Plano identity. Less than 100 yards rushing and did all of the, I mean, they needed three touchdowns from Towns to Chambers through the air mm-hmm. to win that football game. I mean, and that's, that's, a different, a, and that's, that's a different look. It's a notable wrinkle just because forever it has been run, run, run with Plano, and they've always been one of the area's most dynamic rushing offenses, um, be it with Kyron Cumbie and mm-hmm. Brandon Stevens and whatnot. But now with this season, they do have the added element of some yep. real talent on the outside with Jaden Chambers, Nolan Williams. Like they've got guys that can, you know, not only you know beat you deep, but also like just lots of yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a downfield passing game that has certainly shown signs of being a bit more dynamic than what that program has, um, you know, has had in years past and. Um, yeah, that was just a, I mean, an absolute must win for them. I mean, if they had oh, lost that yeah. game, then it would have been church. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it opens up all sorts of possibilities for, I mean, do I want to sit here and say West is going to beat somebody in the in the last five weeks? No, it's, but you look at teams like Plano East and not even, not McKinney. I mean, McKinney, McKinney that Boyd, game was close last, last year, but probably not this year. It's, but McKinney Boyd, like, yeah, like you said, those, I mean, I'm not gonna like I said. I'm, I wouldn't take West. They've lost 31 games in a row, but it also wouldn't shock me to know that they snuck up on Boyd or East or somebody and like, oh, you know. I mean, this team is. It's different. It's, it's just it's good for them just to be seeing it's like moving. legitimate tangible signs yeah. of, of mm-hmm. improvement moving. and progress. That's you know what head coach Tyler Sukup's doing is having an effect on that program. Yep. And yeah, like I they're on by this week, District Nine Six A as a whole is. Um, the next week though is gonna be uh, really, really fascinating because you get two matchups between Plano ISD and McKinney ISD. Mm-hmm. You get Plano versus McKinney and you get West versus Boyd. Two games that I think are going to be much more. Uh, if we whatever we learned about you know these programs this week, the, those matchups in two weeks is going to be uh, yep. are going to be very indicative of where they stand in the, yep. in the pecking order in this district. Um, and then you had a program like Allen, which you know they uh, again at the end of the day they took care of business against McKinney, but it was a far from perfect effort. You know, with ten penalties, they lost the turnover battle. Dude, what's going on? With That's the lost- weird thing with Allen this year. Mm-hmm. It's I think that you know the turnover talent wise is never going to hurt them yeah. because they have the the talent to replace mm-hmm. anybody but it's it's the first time at least that I've been here I mean granted it's only my second season but even just being aware of Allen football that it's like the turnovers had an impact on those aspects mm-hmm. uh, these are things you don't see Allen do yeah. you don't see Allen commit double digit penalties when you're two games in district play mm-hmm. you don't see Allen turn the ball over three or four times in district play like that's just so unheard of yeah. so though the turnovers not catching up to them talent wise it seems like maybe the youth is Catching it up just means there's ways. a few moments here where they might be a little bit of a, you know, because this was a game that was actually competitive for a quarter and a half. Mm-hmm. McKinney did have a, uh, I want to say it was like a 14 to 13 lead at one point in the second quarter, and then Allen scores yeah. 35 unanswered, and that's, they do the Allen. They're thing. still Allen. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're still Allen. Yeah, they got a huge game from, uh, you know, from Jordan Johnson, you know, their, uh, their junior running back, um, their number two running back. You know, he had only had seven carries, about 106 yards, three touchdowns. Um, there was no stopping him um, for McKinney. You know, said so McKinney had some moments as well, though. 
they had 200-yard receivers, which, you know, as I've said earlier on the podcast, that in addition to the turnovers has been a bit of a bugaboo for Allen is allowing big plays through the air. So again, a, a far from perfect effort, but that's, you know, if you're head coach Terry Gamble, those are the kinds of performances that truthfully, like, you kind of like those ones you win convincingly enough, but you still have a ton, you know, to go back to the drawing board on because Allen is far from its final form. Yeah. And um, who knows, you know, when or if they will achieve yeah. that. But um, yeah, nevertheless, Allen's still undefeated, still ranked, you know, uh, they gotta, top three in the state. They got to clean that stuff up, though, because it's not going to get you beat in 9-6-A. But it'll get you beat. It'll get you beat mm-hmm. as early as I mean, early. I mean, if they get a team like I don't want to say. I mean, Rockwall's well, down. Say, and, well, no. Well, if they see Rockwall in the second round, I mean, again, like he's going to be healthy by then. But yeah. say, I mean, Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba, you factor in what you know receivers have done against Allen this season and yeah. what he is capable of. I mean, yep. and if you give that offense another three shots by turning the ball over oh, yeah. three times, then. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, trust me, it's, it's, if that game pans out in the second round like last year, it is going to be a very, very fascinating contest. It was last year. Um, and yeah, Rockwell. Rock Allen could just have it cleaned up by then and be fine. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Or Rockwell just upsets Allen second round, and there you go. Hey, there are some media outlets that have gone on record saying that that's happening, so should be uh, should be interesting to uh, to see. But yes, then you had that, then you had Prosper's defense continuing to uh, just just. But are they elite though? <laughs> <laughs> that's, is that the question? Um, no, they're yeah. really good, but they're just not elite, according to some folks. But I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, they haven't really been super tested yet. I mean, look who they had non-district and. I, but, they're really, really good. I'm not going to knock Prosper. I mean, they've, they've no, no. they got they got knocked on Twitter quite a bit, but they'll we'll see what they're made of against Allen. But it's such a shame. It's just like the whole what we talked about earlier, five five a. It's well, you're not getting tested against Boyd. You're not getting tested against Plano ISD if you, if you're Prosper. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. When they, uh, I think Jesuit could be an interesting challenge. It's okay. I'm excited about Jesuit. Okay. Jesuit. I just saw yeah. Jesuit on Friday against uh, against McKinney Boyd, and that was a. Uh, I'm interested to see how yeah. uh, how a team like Prosper handles the uh, the tempo that Jesuit yeah. can impose mm-hmm. on a game. And that and was they, they haven't faced a running back like, like EJ. Oh yeah. yeah, it's not just EJ. Jake Taylor's yeah. really solid. I mean, they've got a very dynamic yeah. offense. That's the difference yeah. with Jesuit this year. I mean, I didn't get to see a whole lot of it. They didn't really go too deep in the playbook against Plano West, which mm-hmm. is no, so strange. I mean, they beat Plano West 38-3, and the West comes out and does what it does to Plano. That the West team that I saw against Plano would have competed with Jesuit for a half. Like it was so weird. It was almost like they reverted, you know, for a week. But in any case, Jesuit's offense it's it's so much more multiple, and it's not. It doesn't just. I mean, you think EJ Smith? Oh well, you know, you can shut him down. You'll have a pretty good night. But that's not that's not the case at all. Have they, you seen Prosper play this year? I have. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask. So because you're the only one that's seen Jesuit. Mm. I saw Jesuit. You did against Boyd. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what what do you think? Jesuit and Prosper have that because they'll play the week after the bye mm. next week on the. I think Prosper. I think. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah. I think no, Prosper's yeah. the second best team in the district, but I think it'll be very. Bad. I know, but what do y'all think is going to happen though? Because we've all been predicting these blowouts for Prosper. Mm. You know, against. I don't think they'll blow them out. I think that Jesuit. It's it's tough to defend Jesuit this year because, like I said, you can't just key. They use EJ everywhere. I mean, they use him as a running back. They split him out wide. They have him. In, I mean, they use him all over the place. But they have enough talent. It's not like is anybody he, is else. Is he their best best player? Oh yeah. No, yeah, no, like, no oh, doubt yeah. about it. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, it, and it's not like anybody else is going to bowl you away, like just with their talent. But they're yeah. they're solid and good enough to they will beat you if you 
double team EJ every play. Like that's that's kind of the difference. One thing that you have to be able to do is you have to be able to sustain drives if yeah. you're if you're the other team, just because that's where Boyd things kind of fell by the wayside for them is because with Pro, with Jesuit, it is such a they do mix up the tempo a bit, but when they do pick it up, it is yep. really tough to keep pace with. I mean there were times when just even from the press box I was having a tough time. I'd be keen mm-hmm. and stats for one play look up and they're already halfway through the other. Mm-hmm. It really is kind of a death by a thousand cuts approach and that's the where they got, that's where they got Boyd in the end was Boyd just couldn't sustain an offense long enough. Their defense got gassed, and I mean, yeah. In the second half, you just saw Jesu- you saw EJ and Jake Taylor and all those guys just busting off, you know, big big runs that were getting stuffed earlier in the game. Um, yeah, I mean, Jesuit. Yeah, Jesuit looks like them. Prosper and Allen are playing at a at a. Yep. There's, a there's a line of demarcation between those three and the rest of the district so yep. far. Um, but yeah, I think that Jesuit's going to offer a. It's uh, the dynamics going to be a little bit different from what Prosper's seen, and that should be at least again before they play Allen, at least as far as what that defense is capable of when they see another you know high profile offense it's really almost like independence in the colony mm-hmm. the same same yeah. deal as 558 you have three teams that are better yeah. than the rest yeah but i think I, I think prosper is better but i wouldn't be shocked if jesuit gets, i mean it, it, it'll be competitive it'll be outside of allen like you said mm-hmm. the jesuit prosper game will be the the team's one other competitive look for when sure when does jesuit play allen that is the second to last week of the season, yeah. I believe. So we went November first. Yeah, you yeah. wonder how the uh, how the Prosper fans are feeling as far as uh, that matchup is still a you know a month away and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, a ton can change between now and then. But you mm-hmm. wonder what this this start has done to the program. If there's any 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 rumblings. I mean, you look at a team like Plano East last year. You weren't going to beat Allen, but there were rumblings. Mm-hmm. There were people that had convinced themselves that you were going <laughs> to give them a game. There were quotes out there in like, the media about them, so, or fans at least saying as much. And I think this Prosper team against this Allen team yeah. has a better shot. So this Prosper team is better than last year's Plano East team? I, I don't know. I'm saying versus this this year's Prosper team against this year's Allen team is gonna is a is better it, game. Only because than, Allen doesn't look. I don't know if I don't know like if Prosper were. this year in Plano East. I don't know how that game would go. That'd be a that'd be, fun, awesome. that'd be a fun yeah. game. Mm-hmm. But Allen was so far and away better last year than it has True. been this year that it you can't really compare it because. Allen this year has looked human, <laughs> and last year yeah. they they didn't until the playoffs, until whenever they got eliminated, yeah. and even then they it was close. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is a look at uh, at District Nine Six A. Let's see, we can get to some other uh, some other districts on the backside, but it's obviously uh, got to shine that student athlete spotlight. And I mentioned Mesquite Horn picking up a huge rivalry win over uh, Mesquite earlier on. One of the uh, centerpieces to that effort was their running back Ben Wyatt, who uh, Devin Hassan had a chance to talk with um, later on this afternoon. We'll see what Ben had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. This is Devin Hassan with the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. I'm at Horn High School today where I'm joined by the Jaguars' Ben Wyatt, uh, who rushed for 218 yards, scored three touchdowns as Horn opened 11-6-8 play with a 35-14 victory over Mesquite last week. Uh, ben, first off, thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes to join us. Uh, congratulations for the win last week. I know every district game is important, but when it's a crosstown rival, is there a little something extra that goes into it for you guys? Yes, sir. It's like... It's like more competition, and we was a lot more hype coming out for this game. Well, and obviously you've got so many guys on this team that are capable of making plays. You got the call last week, 218 yards, three touchdowns. Did you know going in that you were going to get that many touches? I did not know. Coach <laughs> told me it was going to run a lot, but I didn't know I was going to get that many touches. But, and, and as far as looking back in your high school career, is that the biggest game you've had? 
I believe all of them are big, but I believe so. Okay. Well, you're also one of the team's leading receivers. You do kickoff returns. What do you think is the best part of your game? Like my physicality. Like, no matter what, I'm physical. Wherever I go, height and size don't matter. Okay. Now, last year, you guys went 0-7 to start the year. Uh, ended up making it to the regional semifinals. How much did you gain from that experience? A lot. Because we were still fighting while we were still losing. Okay. Now, this year, I guess prior to the Mesquite game, y'all have lost three straight. Did you talk about what happened last year as far as getting things turned around? Not really. Like, we just kept looking forward, and we kept fighting. We practiced hard, and then good things happened. Okay. Now, what's uh, what's your future? Are you going to play college ball next year? Yes, sir. Where are you thinking of looking? Where are you looking around at right now? Like, SMU, MSU, one of those two. Okay. How difficult is that, though, because you're trying to balance grades, you're trying to balance practice, and you're trying to make one of the biggest decisions of your life. How do you go about balancing that? I do my schoolwork after practice or early in the morning, and then practice, practice hard. And where, like I said, you, you, you carry the ball to the backfield, you catch the ball, you return. Have they talked to you, the colleges talked to you about where they think you might play in college? Not yet. You're just re you're ready to call whenever they whenever they ask of you, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, prior to that, you still have business to take care of uh, this season, your senior year. What uh, what do you kind of expect? What can this team accomplish the rest of the way? I believe we've got a lot more games to win. First and foremost, district play, district champs. That is that the first immediate goal. Yes, sir. And I think we got a lot more. A lot more. Okay, fantastic. Well, hey Ben, appreciate you taking a couple of, uh, minutes to talk with us here. Best of luck the rest of the way. This is Devin Haston with the Star Local Media Sport High School Sports Podcast, signing off from Horn High School. Big thanks to Ben Wyatt for taking the time to chat with Devin for our student athlete spotlight. We got a couple more districts to uh, to recap, so let's start. Um, let's start. Let's talk some 10-6A, a district that is really difficult to try to, to make big <laughs> heads and tails of right now because there's a uh, well, there's a whole lot of parity through the first two weeks of this district and a team that is uh, well, let's just say they're living dangerously. Yeah, two one point wins for Rowlett. Yep, but nevertheless, uh, yes, the uh, the Rowlett Eagles who began the season on a uh, you know they uh, they got their clock cleaned a bit yep. during non district, but they. They've since woken up, and um, yeah, and they're uh, they're at least um, you know learning how to win when it matters most because they've needed every last bit of clutch resolve that they can muster after um, beating North Garland on Thursday, twenty-seven to twenty-six. Taylor, you saw this game. What happened? I will say that this one-point win looks a lot better than the seven-six one-point win over <laughs> over Naaman. Um, it's impossible that, to make a seven-six one look good. That's a bad. That's just that was just bad yeah. throughout. Um, but. You know, this one kind of similar in that they needed a final minutes touchdown. I think last week it was like 150-something. It's mm -hmm. naming this week. It was literally with like two minutes left. Um, you know, they scored to, to go up and, and eventually get the win. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to, to make of, of this district just like in general because I, I just don't think – I thought Saxe was going to be – Improving kind of week to week. I haven't been very impressed with Sachs. I mean, they beat the crap out of Naaman, but they did. A they lot didn't of, beat the crap out of them. Really, that game was well. They pulled away late, yeah. but they they did what they. The final score is what it should have been. It yeah. wasn't seven to six, is what I'm saying. Um, but and they looked okay. They looked good against East, which granted East is East is down, but. You know, I guess they're still the best team in that district, but... Well, they lost to Wiley. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah I think Wiley, Wiley has a case I guess Wiley... 
I don't know. This district it's is a district weird. where okay, it's just so we we're just so accustomed to that district being ruled by Saxe yeah. for yeah. so many years that now that they've come a bit back down to the pack and there really isn't a yeah. you know a true and not only have they won the district but they've done so without a whole lot of resistance. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just a year where it feels like we're just setting up for there not being a clear cut top tier you know home run yeah. for, uh, to win that district I, and it's just a lot of parody. Yeah, I guess you don't know what though, kind of parody, but it's it, it is good if you're a Rowlett fan just because you know your offense. After the seven to six performance, mm-hmm. I mean twenty seven twenty six over North Garland isn't exactly anything to write home about either. But North Garland was coming in. I we all took North Garland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had some had some good wins. Looked pretty good. Uh, and Rowlett and, and Alex Rowlett in particular, the quarterback, had a really good day. I mean, one hundred forty eight yards, two mm-hmm. touchdowns, two picks. But they were kind of weird. They were kind of like those late in the half. We're just throwing it up, trying to make. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't awful. Um, he had a hundred yards rushing. Uh, Antonio Hole caught two touchdowns, including the one um, that gave him the eventual win with like two minutes left. Uh, he had like 95 yards. So the offense is capable, especially in 10-6A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the defense, it, the defensive front in particular, you know, they give up 26 points. But I, I think it, at least one of those was in the first half, it, I think they had a special teams touchdown. And it was, it was one of those weird games where the defense, I think, played a lot better than than the 26-point final. Uh, the defensive front for all that looked good. I mean, they mm-hmm. were getting after the quarterback pretty much all night long, which, you know, that's where it all starts in high school. If you can have pressure on the quarterback and, and yeah. kind of disrupt things, then you're going to have success against a lot of programs. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's like we talk. I don't know what to make of that district. I mean, Saxe and Wiley, Wiley, I guess, the best team since they beat Saxe. I don't know if that holds true. You know, I'd still probably take yeah. in the uh, postseason. Didn't they only beat like, him? Like, what was that score? Like twenty-two, twenty-one. Yeah, or something? I mean, it, it was, was a really another. Good, yeah. It was another weird game. We're probably going to get a lot of games that are kind of like what we've seen yeah. the first two weeks, where it's there just yeah. isn't much separation between a lot of these teams. Yeah, and Saxe maybe is is the one program that we've come to kind of trust as far as like turning it on in the postseason, maybe having some success. But I would predict that you know this ten six a district. I don't see maybe anybody making it out of out of the first round of the oh, postseason. No. They're just not. There's just not a team in this district that impresses me to any level. Rowlett, you know, obviously has won the games it needed to win so far. Saxon Wiley look fine, but it's just not. It's just not there really. Now that Saxy got Wiley out of the way. Like realistically, is there a team that can beat Saxe? I'm I mean, curious to see. I don't know if they can beat them, but I'm curious to see what Garland can do on Thursday. Just because that was Garland, not the name I was no, no, no. Wow. Garland has like, believe it or not, Garland has the uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the area right now, Sergio Perez. He is number ten in the area yeah. among six A programs in passing Sergio yardage. Sergio with a C, right? Sir, with the C, yeah. And he is tied for second in TD passes with seventeen. Yeah. So they've got, they've got some uh, an uptick at the quarterback right, position. Nothing, nothing in got. this district would shock me. Yeah. Nothing, so I'm not calling. I'm not calling Garland. To win that game by any stretch, and you know, what's on the picket line and whatnot. So we'll see where uh, you know where we land on that. Um, you know when the game rolls around. But I think that that's it, it's going to be an interesting test for Saxy, just given what they've what they've shown to this point. If so. you're a 10-6 A fan, though, just hang your hat on your team making the postseason. If they do, and and probably be happy, just mm-hmm. be along for the ride <laughs> in the first round and and have a good off season. 7-5-A Division Two. This was a uh, subject of our game of the week last week, and boy, it did it live up to the hype! It did not disappoint, man. That game. Well, I, I felt like I watched two different games. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was so bizarre. I, I don't even know where to begin. I, okay, we saw the district MVP in this game. Either it's going to be Will Harbor, or it's going to be Chase Lowry. Lowry. Chase Lowry is a monster. He he might have won this game single handedly for them. Really? Like he. Okay, so he had. He's, he had a 59-yard touchdown on the on the very first play of the game. Okay, it kind of set the tone like, hey, 
Oh, no, it was the third play of the game. First drive of the game, sorry. Uh, but it was like, hey, first go, we're, we're, we really are for real in this passing attack. You know, we're not just this wing T. You know, this, the passing, you know, stats aren't a fluke. You know, Chase Lowry is the real deal. Uh, he had this one play that, you know, didn't stand out in my game store or anything. I, don't, I didn't mention it at all or anything. But on a punt, he let the ball roll, let it roll, let it roll. And then, you know, he thought he was just going to let it die. And then at the very, very last second with 3D players all around him, he picks it up and then just dances his way around the field and gets it all the way to, I think, the 14-yard line. Sets up a Frisco score. Uh, dude, the dude is... He... If, if it's not Will Harbour who literally did everything in this game... <laughs> yeah, kicked like, the field goal that almost won the game, right? <laughs> yeah, he, took the go-ahead, he kicked the go-ahead field goal to put them up 31-28 after they had fallen behind 28-7. to They yeah. scored 24 unanswered points, Reedy did. Uh, you know, Will Harbour, he kicked the field goal in this game. He forced a fumble in this game. Yeah. He was... They're f- okay, so they fell behind fifteen to nothing because they they twenty two nothing right. Tw- it was yeah. twenty two nothing because it was it was Chase Lowry made it seven nothing right off the bat. They had a kick return or mm-hmm. a, yeah kick return touchdown. Uh, All I know is it was it was fifteen nothing. nothing. Fifteen nothing. The, they went the for two quarter. and then they threw a pick. Yeah, pick six. Uh, Jalen Kittner threw a pick six and it was twenty two nothing. And then Reedy's like, uh, we need Will Harbour to go in there quarterback now. And so he was already running the Wildcat in the first quarter, deep in their own territory. So now he's there. He's being used there. Obviously, best middle linebacker in this district. And then he's in the kicking game, dude. They just asked so much of, of Will Harbor. Yeah. He dropped an interception in this game. Uh, it it would have been a tough play, but he he could have had a pick in this one. And he also fumbled at the goal line mm-hmm. right at the end of the second half, or the first half, right going into 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 halftime. And you know it's tough. You know you can't say it's oh, tough he, to fault a guy like exactly, that that's already so doing much. so much. Because without him, they're not even in this you game. You know he's faulting himself, though, because guys yeah. like that oh. are, like, that's all they can yeah. focus on. It's like, you know, he, he makes 10 t- amazing plays that no one else can make, and then he's, you know, you just think about the fumble at the goal line. And even Coach Cold said, you know, when I talked to him after the game, he's like, yeah, our stud, you know, we put the ball in our stud hands. We live and die by Will Harbour. There's no regrets, you know, because they're going to ride Will Harbour as far as they can they can take him. And he is a district MVP, even if they don't win this mm. Win, win the district, but Chase Lowry, Which man, they probably, he's making a yeah. case. He is the, legit. The Chase Lowry emergence has been fast for me specifically because I cover Prestonwood Christian over in Plano, and yeah. that's where he transferred yeah. from. And I just this emergence of him as this weapon on offense. It was like Prestonwood has a lot of talent at wide mm-hmm. receiver. At least they did when Lowry was with the program. But like last year, I was looking at the numbers on my phone. He had just four receptions with Prestonwood last year. Four oh. receptions, seventy-five yards, and a touchdown. Granted, he was a sophomore, but mm-hmm. still, like how did it, they just? Some opportunity and system yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it, yeah. Just, it, it does weird things. He was now, he was used a lot. He was used also on defense, though. He did play both sides of the ball, so that's kind of where I knew him from was his you know his significance as a as a defensive back. But yes, him is now being like this this blue chip receiver for Frisco has been such an impressive development. Receiver, for my, the word receiver. I've too. heard at the next level he'd be used more as a defensive back. Yeah. that's what I've heard. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, but either way, that dude is a future D one. College football player yeah. somewhere. He is. He's awesome. That's so impressive. Just the the surge that he's had with that yeah. program. He, he's literally made them so dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. obviously from the wing tee to now yeah. this. You think we might throw for two hundred yards this game and run for two hundred yards? Why try and stop it? And if you know? you're if you're reedy, like that still has to be a very encouraging. I was going to say, did they, did they show you enough to be the second best team? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, because they got kicked in the mouth. Yeah. You know, they're in twenty two to nothing, and they still stuck with their game plan yeah. going in. Coach Cole was like, hey. He told me we're going to try and keep the ball as long as possible. They had a, 
almost a nine-minute drive. Mm-hmm. The drive you know, right before the half where Harbor fumbled at the goal line. And then they, they got the ball to start the second half, which is what they wanted. And then they had the ball for seven minutes and 15 seconds, and they scored on that drive. So think about all that time where, you know, they're not having to chase around, mm-hmm. you know, Car Green, Blake May, Bryson Clemens, Chase Lowry, all those studs they have on offense. They kept them off the field, at least offensively, and it worked, man. They, their comeback was so awesome. They were forcing turnovers. They had interceptions. They forced fumbles. Yeah. And then Frisco was like, well, they hadn't scored since the very beginning of the second quarter. That's when they went man. up 28-7. Yeah. And then Frisco didn't score again until the final minute Jeez. of the game. And they set it up on a deep throw to Chase Lowry, who was the, on that play there was pass interference. He still comes down with the play, with the catch. It was, it was just a phenomenal game. Because... Yeah, like I feel, I feel almost feel bad in hindsight because we were just so down on Reedy just yeah. because they're being compared to a ghost of a yep. of, of last year's yeah. team and whatnot. It's not fair to them. Yeah, yeah, and it's not yeah. fair to them. But we were like everyone was so unanimous and not, not only picking Frisco but kind of picking them to like what's this? Is this, this even a question that they're going to? I win thought this it would game. be a good game. I think and I don't know if I thought it would be that good. After, but I thought it'd be a good after Jalen Kitna threw the pick six mm-hmm. and then dude, it was midway through the first quarter and it was mm-hmm. twenty two to nothing. Frisco, I was like, oh crap, this is about this to might get really yeah, this really might get ugly. bad. Yeah. So yeah, it was you know Frisco gets its signature win to validate the strides that it's made and you know and it's you know solidifying itself as a district championship contender. But you get a performance from Reedy that at least reiterates that okay, they're still going to be you know they're still at the very least you know it feels like now the second best team in that district, and that's not insane to think given how up and down they had been you know yeah. uh, you know leading up to that. They could so. still lose to either Braswell or Lovejoy though. I mean who knows? Well, it wouldn't oh, they surprise could, me for sure. That's a good transition, Taylor. <laughs> Let's talk about those two teams because uh, above I think. I mean, pick a game in the uh, in the area last week, and it was probably not as crazy as what happened between Braswell yeah. and Lovejoy. Three overtimes mm-hmm. until it was finally settled. What was the final? 50, uh, 59, 59 51, 51 or something like that. Yep. Let's see. Um, yeah, yeah 59, right. 51. 59 51. Nobody wanted to play defense in that yeah. one. Because, I mean, it was it, – it's – it's easy sometimes with three overtimes to be like, oh, well, that's why it was so high scoring. But it was 37-37 going into overtime. So it's not like very, very, it wasn't already. A very dramatic build uh, 37 to 37 yeah. too. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> Lovejoy was down 24-7 at one point. And then they were down in the fourth quarter or going into, um, you know, with 27 seconds left, they scored to make it 30-20 going into the fourth quarter. And then rattled off three touchdowns in a row to make it, um, or no, a field goal and two touchdowns. That's what it was. So it was 30-23, and then 30-30, and then 37-30. And if you're Lovejoy, that was with like four and a half minutes left. you got to be like, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We were down 27, whatever it was, and, and it's 37-30 with four minutes left. Like, all we got to do is get a stop. We did it. We came back. Well, this is awesome. Look at us. And then, you know, with two minutes or and change left, Braswell scores make it 37-37. Then they start the overtime dance. Both uh, both teams score, obviously, in, in the first two. And then I think Braswell, yeah, Braswell got the ball first, I believe, in the third overtime, scored, got the two-point conversion to go up 59-51, mm-hmm. and then Lovejoy obviously didn't score yeah. um, at all. And that was the final score, but... I don't know. I mean, it, uh, it's one of those games where it's like could have gone either way. I don't think it's an indictment of Lovejoy. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's you know elevating Braswell. I think that it's just two pretty evenly matched teams in this district that are going to be fighting for a postseason spot. Because at this point, you got to think it's Frisco, Reedy, Braswell. Question mark. Like you know, like Braswell has a leg up. The, the, the from back and Lovejoy. forth between Braswell, Lovejoy, and Dennis. Yeah, that's what, what I like. It's, it's it's just going to be questionable. And, and I think this was big for Lovejoy. You talk about. 
good losses. I mean, it's it's tough to come all the way back and then lose in overtime the way that they did. But at the same time, I mean, that's 51 points from, you know, an offense uh-huh. that it's its yeah. first year together. I mean, they did come back, you know, all the way to, to take the lead and, and have a legitimate chance to win that game. Uh, and then obviously the same thing in overtime. You know, they answered the bell in the first overtime to score, got out to a lead in the second overtime and, and didn't get a stop. But it's just more of that, you know, underneath Frisco and Reedy. But, you know, like I said, Reedy could lose to either one of these teams. If they have that kind of night where they're mm-hmm. just scoring at will, um, you know, Ralph Rucker's legit for, for Lovejoy and that offense. I mean, Lovejoy, that's the one thing I feel like they always have is a guy that can throw the football and, and several guys that can catch yeah. it. I mean, that's let's, kind of how they operate. Well, let's not rule out any of these teams sneaking up on Frisco or anything yeah. like that. No, okay, so I was just about yeah, to absolutely. say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still expect them to be 10-0 and going into the playoffs, yeah. which would be an amazing story. Yeah. You know, they were 0-10 two years ago. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the teams that – you know, would have or will give them the best chance of losing a game, they've already played them. Yeah. Yeah. They already played Braswell. They, yeah. they held on to beat them, and then they held on to beat Frisco, uh, well, Reedy. So they'll have to see. I, don't, I, I mean, like I said, I could see Lovejoy sneaking up on them. I don't think so. That would shock me. I don't think so. Same thing with Denison. I could see it. I don't think so. I, I think I'm with you. I think at this point, having beaten Reedy especially, they probably run yeah. the table. But this district's, this district's fun in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that mm-hmm. unlike, I mean, not to keep ragging on 10-6-A, but unlike that, you know, district, it doesn't feel like it's a bunch of bad teams that are close. It feels like it's a bunch of pretty solid teams yeah. that that it's fun to see every night and, and everybody can kind of beat anybody, but not in a way that, like, oh, this is just a garbage fire and somebody has to win. It feels like teams that are competitive and, and have a legitimate shot to make a little noise in the playoffs and, and stuff like that, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Frisco and Reedy have established enough to beat postseason teams, certainly. Frisco's obviously on track to be the district champion, um, especially with that one over Reedy. But underneath that, I don't know. It's going to depend on what Jadarian Price can do, if he's going to be 100% the rest of the way. Um, if Lovejoy or Braswell can play defense against <laughs> some of these other teams, I don't know. We'll see. And that is, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, Taylor, Brian, appreciate y'all for tagging along. We'll be back on Thursday to break down our reader-voted game of the week. You can go to the website, starlocalmedia.com, to vote on this week's poll. We'll break down that game as well as some of the other marquee matchups that are on the docket this week. Folks, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.